Welcome to our podcast, Carefully Examining the Text. And our podcast today is from Psalm 99. Psalm 99. Listen to these words. The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He's enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion, and He is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is He. The strength of the King loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His footstool. Holy is He. Moses and Aaron were among his prophets, and Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them in the pillar of cloud, and they kept his testimonies and the statutes that he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, and yet an avenger of their evil deeds." Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for holy is the Lord our God. Psalm 99 begins with words that are becoming familiar to us as we read this section of Psalms. The Lord reigns the same way Psalm 93 and Psalm 97 began. It is also stressed in Psalm 96 and verse 10. Psalm 96 verse 10. The Lord reigns. The Lord is king. The people were despairing the fact there was no king on the throne of Judah in Psalm 89 in verses 38 through 52. But the Lord is still king and the Lord is always king. The holiness of God is a key note in Psalm 97, or Psalm 99, excuse me. In Psalm 99, you notice that verse 3 ends, holy is he. In 99 verse 5, holy is he. In 99 verse 9, holy is the Lord our God. In God's holiness, Emphasizing God's holiness can divide this psalm into these three short parts. But in verse 1, the Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. Our God is God over the peoples, over the earth, in verse 1, over all the peoples, in verse 2. He is God over all of the earth. As the psalm emphasizes, our God is God of all. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Psalm 80 verse 1 describes God the same way. You remember the Ark of the Covenant where you had the cherubim facing each other and God's glory and God's presence was particularly displayed above the ark where he met with the high priest once a year. And you read about this in 1 Samuel 4 and verse 4 and 2 Samuel 6 and verse 2. God is enthroned above the cherubim, and all the earth shakes at his presence. 
The Lord is great in Zion. The God who rules through all the earth expresses his presence in a special way in Zion. He is exalted above all peoples. The word exalted is used here as a verb, and it's going to be used in verse 5 and verse 9 as an imperative. There we will be called to exalt the Lord our God. But here we read it as a fact. The Lord is exalted above all peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. In Deuteronomy 7, in verse 21, God is described the same way. He is great and awesome. When the Bible describes God as holy and awesome, in Psalm Psalm 111, verse 9, The King James in Psalm 111, verse 9, has holy and reverend is your name. The word translated reverend in the King James of Psalm 111, verse 9, is the same word awesome here. Let them praise your great and awesome name. God is truly all inspiring. Holy is he. In verse 4, the strength of the king loves justice. The strength of the king loves justice. God is supreme, but he doesn't rule as a tyrant. His strength is tempered with judgment. Our divine king is absolutely absorbed in what is right. God's holiness is revealed in law and order. And this text emphasizes the union of might and right. The strength of the king loves justice. You have established Equity, that word equity was used in Psalm 96 and verse 10 and in Psalm 98 and verse 9. The personal pronoun, you, have established equity. And in verse 4, the latter part of verse 4, you, the personal pronoun, have executed justice and righteousness. There's particular emphasis on the Lord who demonstrates these qualities. He is the one who executes justice and righteousness in our world. In Psalm 97 verse 2, his throne is built on the foundation of justice and righteousness. Exalt the Lord our God, verse 5 says, and worship at his footstool. Holy is he. God's footstool is sometimes said to be the Ark of the Covenant in 1 Chronicles 26, 1 Chronicles 28, verse 2. It's said to be the temple in Psalm 132, verses 7 and 8. It's said to be the city of Zion in Lamentations 2.1. Or it's said to encompass the whole earth. His footstool is the earth. Isaiah 66, verse 1. Heaven is my throne. 
earth is my footstool? Where is the house that you will build for me? Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. Holy is he. In verse 6, Moses and Aaron were among his priests. This is the only passage where Moses is called a priest, interestingly. What does it mean that Moses and Aaron were priests? We know Aaron was a priest, but how about Moses? Notice in the next line, Samuel was among those who called on his name. I think the phrase, calling on his name, is used in parallelism with the word priest in verse 6. Moses was a priest in the sense that he called upon God and interceded for the people of God. He begged God in Exodus 32 to have mercy upon the people and not to destroy them. Moses was noted for his intercession for God's people. Aaron was as well, as we see in Numbers 16, verses 41 through 50. Samuel was an intercessor for the people of God. In 1 Samuel 7, beginning with verse 7, and in 1 Samuel 12 and verse 23, may the Lord forbid that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. They were priests in the sense they interceded for the people of God. Moses and Samuel are specifically mentioned for this in Jeremiah 15 and verse 1. But Moses and Samuel were among his priests, or Moses and Aaron were among his priests, and Samuel was among those who called upon his name. They called upon the Lord and he answered them. God is a God who answers prayer. And in verse 7, God is a God who reveals himself. He spoke to them in the pillar of cloud. They kept his testimonies and the statute that he gave them. God answered Israel's prayer, the prayer of these leaders for the people, and God spoke his will and his way to Israel. In verse 8, O Lord our God, you answered them. You are a forgiving God to them, and yet an avenger of their evil deeds. And isn't it striking that in the same verse where God is described as a God of forgiveness, He's described as an avenger of their evil deeds. God is a God of compassion and mercy and grace. And God is a God of wrath and a consuming fire. We may have trouble reconciling these, but God doesn't. For he embodies these things perfectly within himself. In verse 9, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill. Now God is once again proclaimed as holy at the end of this psalm in verse 9. Holy is the Lord our God, but but also the place where he is worshipped is his holy hill, Psalm 2-6, Psalm 3-4. 
in Psalm 15 and verse 1. What does Psalm 99 tell us of the nature of God? First of all, it shows us that God is a king who rules over all the earth. You see that stressed in verse 1 and verse 2. He is a king who rules the whole earth, and he is great, as stated in both verse 2 and verse 3. But though he's God of all the earth, he reveals himself in a special way in Zion or Jerusalem in verse 2. The point, the God who revealed himself at Zion on the pages of the Old Testament is the God. He is the God of heaven and earth. And in verse 4, he is characterized by justice and righteousness and equity. But this psalm emphasizes, too, that this God is utterly holy. Verse 3, verse 5, and verse 9. He is utterly holy. That means God is different from man as a creature. And God is different from man as a sinner. Holy means separate, set apart. All of those are involved in the idea of holiness. And God as creature, God, excuse me, as creator. It's an important distinction. God as creator is separated from man as a creature, as one made by God and dependent upon God. God dwells in heaven and is not dependent upon anything or anyone outside of himself. God is creator. Man is creature. God is holy. He is separate from man as a creature, and he's separate from man as a sinner because God is so utterly holy, he cannot look upon evil with favor. Habakkuk 1.13 James 1 and verse 13. God cannot look upon evil with favor. God is utterly holy and separate from man as a sinner. Man sins and falls short of God's glory. God is holy, and this whole psalm proclaims it. And if the bridge is going... the the if this great gap between God and ourselves is going to be bridged, is going to have to come from his side. And the whole Bible will tell us how he does this through Jesus. We'll come back to that in just a moment. God reveals God answers prayer in verse 6 and in verse 8. And God reveals his will and his words to his people in verse 7. God is an avenging God in verse 8. And yet God is a forgiving God. Let's talk about how this psalm is fulfilled in Jesus. 
We said, if there's going to be a bridge between man's sinfulness and God's sinlessness, if there's going to be a bridge between man as the creature and God as creator, it's going to have to be built by God himself. And he builds this bridge to sinful man to make man, to bring man back to him through the cross of Jesus Christ. The word for forgiveness in verse 8, God is a forgiving God, Psalm 99, verse 8. The word for forgiveness is the word that means to bear, to bear, to carry, to lift. And God, as one who forgives, bears, carries, the burden of our guilt away. The word is used in Leviticus 16.22 for confessing all your sins over the scapegoat and driving it out in the wilderness to bear your guilt. And Jesus bears our guilt. God carries our sins away. God lifts or carries or forgives and a matter of fact, it's interesting that this particular Hebrew word, which means to bear, carry, lift, or forgive, is used twice in Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, verse 4, surely our griefs he himself bore. And in Isaiah 53, verse 12, he himself bore the sins of many. God has bridged this gap between his holiness and our sinfulness in the cross of Christ. In the cross where God punishes sin in a way to open up the door of salvation to the sinner. The word also that is used for exalt in verse Five and in verse 9 of the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the main Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, the word exalt that's used in verse 5 and verse 9 of Psalm 99 is used in John 3 in verse 14, in John 8 verse 28, in John 12 verses 32 and 33, that the Son of Man must be lifted up. God was exalted in the sense that he was lifted up on the cross and that through that sacrifice of Jesus, God lifts or bears or carries our sins and takes them away. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Jesus is the answer to Psalm 99. Let's read those words again. The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He's enthroned above the cherubim, let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion and exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. 
The strength of the king loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his feet, for he is holy. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them in the pillar of cloud. They kept his testimonies and the statute that he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, and yet an avenger of their evil deeds. Exalt the Lord our God. And worship at his holy hill, for holy is the Lord our God.